Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Denny Somak, and this is The Rock Podcast. And on this episode, it's a conversation with John Anderson. He's currently on tour, playing a lot of the classic Yes songs and other material from his life's work. I have to tell you that I've known John for almost 50 years, so we get into a lot of great stories, and I think there's quite a few things that you may not have heard from him. So I hope you'll enjoy listening to this as much as I had doing it. So here's my conversation with the legendary John Anderson. So I got to catch up. I got to catch up because I know you're working on several things. You're working on Elias too, right? Also? Yeah. Yep. 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 And you got this and you're going out on the road. So where do you want to start? (laughs) Well, I, I, 40, 40 some years ago, I met Mark Chagall. Right. I remember that. On his 90th birthday. And I wrote a musical about him. And I remember him him telling me this. He said, musicals take time. And I thought, yeah, I'll get it done next year. (laughs) 40 years later, we we had a a session, a testing of of the the music and the performance in San Francisco a month ago, like an abbreviated version. And now we're thinking of, oh, fingers crossed to be able to go and perform it in a dome in uh, in uh, Las Vegas. Oh, okay. That's, that's that's the future of my life, you know. So, and so I've what? Got, uh, sorry, I've only no, got what, four we... four other musicals lined up. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. What's the? Uh, is there a timeline? Is one have preference over the other? Or? No, it'll happen when it happens. Is my favorite uh, <laughs> saying. I know you. And here I am. <laughs> In, th- in two weeks, going on tour with the band geeks. Right. Now, when does the tour start? Uh, in two weeks. In two weeks. And where is it? Where are you starting? In Florida again or uh, something? No, no. We're starting in um, our first show, I think, is, uh, is either New Jersey Pike or the Palladium uh-huh. in Times Square. Oh, well, New Jersey's going to go crazy because, you know, the, the huge yes goes back for years in that area of the country philadelphia jersey that's your one of your strongest uh points so so who's in the band this time well the band is called the band geeks you can actually google them and they're you know richard richie richie's the bass player right and there's andy and ed and ed and andy <laughs> i can't remember <laughs> the names 
but we've been working, uh, Zooming each other for the last month, right. uh, every Tuesday, basically going through all the songs we're going to do. And uh, now I've got them all lined up on my computer and, and I come in every day and sing them all. And uh, it's fun because I've got a list of them here. Do you want to see the list? Sure, absolutely. Here's a list. Yours is no disgrace, perpetual change, close to the edge, all good people, heart of the sunrise, awaken, starship troopers, and so on. You know, I noticed there's three songs there from the Yes album right away. Is that your favorite album? Well, the best time of my life musically and group-wise was in the 70s. Right. You know, it's just the way it was at that time. We, we had, you, you were there. Yeah. You were there with the... Uh, with our good friend Lee Abrams and a couple Correct. of other friends. And uh, our, our sort of vision grew. Lidditz, Pennsylvania is where we used to go and rehearse, you know. In Lidditz. Claire, Claire Brothers, you know. Lidditz, sure. And uh, then, you know, we just got married to Philadelphia and, and sort of performing there and then eventually doing uh, uh, sort of in the round. I remember doing in the round there. Yeah, right. And. Uh, Tra traveling the world by then. And that was the most ex uh, exciting experience from a group point of view, because, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the 70s, it, it was just magical, musically speaking. And we just wonder where we were going to go next. And I remember I was on tour with, uh, we were doing Fragile Tour. Right. And uh, basically, um, I was listening to Sibelius quite a lot then. And uh, there was one day that really st stuck out for me because, you know, I'd be smoking a joint and listening to Sibelius, relaxing, then do a show, you know, get right. ready and go, you know. But this day, I kept listening to this one piece. It was the Seventh Symphony. And I couldn't believe that it was all in one piece. Like, usually, all symphonies that I knew were in three movements, you know? Right. But this was uh, 27 minutes long, 26 minutes, 27 minutes long. And it, it flew by. It sort of, it, it, there it was, the end. Oh, my gosh. And I was mesmerized. So I must have played it 10 times that day. And I thought, that's what we've got to do now. Because at that time, Heart of the Sunrise, Starship Trooper. These were all seven, eight minute long pieces on the re record. Right. You couldn't get them played on the radio, except as we traveled around all the, the universities, they had FM radio in, in those days. And they would play the long pieces and we just sit there and think, they're pretty good. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, fun, they're fun to play on stage. But there's something about them, you know, let's do a long form piece. And mm -hmm. I got together with uh, with Steve and, and then Chris and, you know, Rick Wakeman was in the band then and, and Bill. And we did Close to the Edge. And it was like, to me, it was like, uh, you know, I started off doing Everly Brothers songs <laughs> with my brother, you know. <laughs> and it Everly was, Brothers Association, Fifth Dimension. Association. <laughs> And of course, you know, um, three songs from uh, the, the the guy who wrote um, MacArthur Park, he, he, Jimmy Which, Webb. Yeah, Jimmy Webb, right. We, and we used to go on stage and do uh, songs from uh, Fifth Dimension album. This was right at the beginning of the, the Yes, you know. Right, yeah. 
And by the time we were playing concerts at the Forum, is it the Spectrum, sorry, Spectrum, uh, yeah. in Philadelphia, I always remember doing Close to the Edge for the first time, because it was like, the audience was so quiet. You know? I was there, I was there, yeah. So quiet, you could hear a pin drop, you know? Yeah, really. And then, so in some ways, that music, now that I'm re-singing it, I'm thinking, boy, oh boy, the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you do? I hate to ask you this, but do you have a cheat sheet? Occasionally, you have to look at the lyrics, or no? Yeah, I've got a little monitor there. You know, of course, you know I'm I'm 80 years old next year, so <laughs> my actually I work I work on the principle of when it's my birthday, I'm always right. in my next year. Right. So now I'm seven, I'm in 79. Right. So I'm in my 79th year. So after October this year, I'll be in my 80th year. Hey, and I feel damn good about it. <laughs> so as, as most people, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm in Florida. I live in Florida. And in fact, just by coincidence, Jeez. just by yeah. coincidence, uh, tomorrow night down here, Rick Wakeman is doing his solo show. Just by coincidence. I thought he I'd never, let you know. He never stops. Never stops. Never <laughs> stops at all. Um, so anyway, so this is just... Uh, so I want to ask you, because, you know, most people know you, you live in Southern California. Mm, central. Uh, central California. Well, but, you know, halfway between L.A. and San Francisco, right, right in the middle. Right. Uh, with the lovely Jane. Beautiful Jane. God bless her. And how's she doing? You. Everybody would want Amazing. me to Amazing. Just okay. beautiful as ever. Okay, good. Now, um, are there still some places, I, I know you're going to be playing all over the US and I don't know what your plans are for overseas, but are there still places around the world or even in the States that you haven't played? You know, I can't remember more, more or less. We played almost everywhere you can play in the world. Uh, even Thailand, I did right. that with, um, what's it called? The Japanese keyboard player. Um, I remember his name in a minute. Shostakovich. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, Kitaro. Kitaro, right. Kitaro okay. san. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we played almost, not all, not everywhere, of course, but uh, I think my feeling is that we're going to be doing this tour. Right. And, uh, you know, tickets are doing great. Uh, people are very interested and excited to hear the classics and the epics. Yeah. Because I wondered, would ever a record company put out an album of just the epics? That'd be like six, you know, you got six, you got your Gates of Delirium, you right. got, and so on and so on. And I've got to take, I'm going to take this. It's called Singer's Saving Grace. And it certainly <laughs> is. And of course, we have to remind everybody that in the uh, bicentennial year, you played in front of 100,000 plus. At, in Philadelphia, which was yeah, still one a, of the high points, right? Yeah, I've got a picture of it up there on the wall. <laughs> it's true. What do you remember about that day? I remember it so vividly because uh, what's the guy called? Uh, I want you show uh, me for, Peter Frampton, who was your Peter, opener, yeah, opening. God act. bless him. Yeah, he he was already a big rec, a big record, you know. Right. So. All these people, and he got he went on stage. He did a great show and everything. And we go on stage and we start start. I think we were, we were going to do Gates of Delirium. 
<laughs> in front of 100,000 people, you think, I hope they're gonna like this. But what we had, the, the, the interesting thing that we had, we had laser beams. You know, we're right, on tour yeah. for the first time with really big laser beams, you know? Right. So we thought, well, when it goes dark, the audience are gonna love this, you know? And, uh, you know, I'll tell you something, I shouldn't say this, but I will. John, you can say anything you want with me. <laughs> and if you change your mind, I'll take it out. But I don't think no, I'll the, have to do the, the, There was a fire guy around backstage, yeah. a fire prevention guy, you know, right. you know, serious guy said, you can't use your laser beams. And we said, why? He said, well, if you're going to project them out there, that's where the planes come into the airport. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And I thought, don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so we had laser beams that night. <laughs> the show must go on, you know. That was just a, a magical day because it was a yeah. whole day thing. Gary Wright, I think, was on the bill. Yeah. It, it was just yeah. a magical day. It was. It was. That, that whole thing. So. Um... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it got right. very cold and somebody set fire to the to the blinkers. Oh, OK. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I don't remember that one. But, you know, I was I was it's doing okay. a few. Yeah, there. yeah. Okay. It's OK. <laughs> it was a great day, though. Yeah. Okay, so what do you for the Irish? Yeah, uh, I got to ask you something else. It's a little bit of a detour, but because I'm working on it, um, this year is the 75th anniversary of Atlantic Records, and they've asked me to to do some interviews, etc. And you're one of the longest running bands on Atlantic, and one of the major. You and Zeppelin, uh, you yeah. know, were the major rock bands. You have any yeah. good Atlantic stories or Ahmet Erdogan stories? My favorite one, which I think I've told a few times, but it's still funny. We were in London. Uh, we'd done some touring in England. We hadn't really stretched our uh, touring into Europe or anything, just playing in London and Manchester and Glasgow and things like that. And uh, Alma Ertigan wanted to hear us. And our, our, our manager at the time was called Roy. And um, he was the sweetest guy. And he enjoyed a, a, you know, a drink now and again. <laughs> Lovely guy. And uh, so we were there at one o'clock to do a little session, and we did three songs for Armour Ertigan. And, and Armour came in and he, he looked, gosh, he looked like a millionaire. He was right, right. brilliant. He, he always dressed immaculately, you know. And um, so we did our three songs, and I wanted to go to the loo, so I went to the loo. And then Roy came in behind me and he came next to me standing there and I'm having a pee and he says, I'll tell you what we're going to do. This guy from New York is going to pay through the nose. I'm going to make so much money for you and I'll make sure you get a great contract. So don't worry. And I'm saying, okay, Roy, no, no problem. And all of a sudden the chain rings next to us in a, in a, in a, in where the toilets are and out comes Arma Ertigan. <laughs> so we heard the whole thing. You oh, know? great. And he signed us for 10 years. He was a character, wasn't he? He, he was like a father figure to me. You know, I, I last I bumped into him was in Seattle. Um, well, it wasn't long before he, he, he passed on to the next world. Uh, and I always thought of him like a father figure. And, and it was, he, he said to me, I think it was after he heard Close to the Edge and he just said, John, don't change what you're doing. I said, okay, thank you. 
because you, you always wonder what a record company wants you to do next. You know, there right. wasn't a single on it. You know, right. there were just three songs. And uh, we survived. You know, we survived that treacherous uh, time of uh, disco and punk and, you know, funkadelic and all that kind of music and that. We survived all the way through. Yeah. I will tell you that I think one of the, and I don't know if I told you this before, so if I did, forgive me for repeating it, but years ago when I interviewed Amit, when I was working on one of the Yes radio specials that we did, I asked him what he liked most about Yes. And he said, I love going to see them because I can see them three nights in a row because every night it's like an artist with a painting and the palette, it's going to be different every night. And I thought that's brilliant. That's good. That's a good one. <laughs> we haven't changed. <laughs> no, not at all. No, not no. at all. So obviously you're seeing fans from the beginning and new fans coming to the shows. Yeah. Uh, and you're, you're, you're pretty, you're pretty open guy. I mean, you, I know you go out there, you talk to them after the shows sometimes. What are yeah. some of the things that the, the younger uh, Yes fans uh, ask you about? Well, the interesting thing is I'm going out on tour in the summer with the teenagers, the Academy of Rock. Right. Paul, Paul Green, who invented the School of Rock. School of Rock, right. And uh, I get that from the, those, those young, talented, very talented uh, musicians, uh, a feeling that what I did in the 70s and 80s and whatever, uh, it, it spills into their consciousness very easily. It's like... Uh, I remember the first time I saw uh, the School of Rock. This is 20 some years ago. Right. It was in Philadelphia, yeah. the Spectrum backstage. Mm -hmm. And all these kids had the School of Rock t-shirts. Uh, I'm repeating myself, I know. But uh, there was Paul Green and uh, he said, would you like to come and work with the kids uh, in Philadelphia now, you know, next month or something? I said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Thank you. The kids, you know, I don't want to deal with that, you know. And about two weeks later, Paul Green, bless him, he sent me a cassette of them playing Heart of the Sunrise. And I freaked out. And then he said, look, we're going to be in L.A. in two weeks to promote our, our, our movie that they created, a, a sort of a documentary about School of Rock. Would you mind getting up and singing with the band? I said, yeah, I'll do it. And I did. And from then on, I was sort of locked into the idea of working with young musicians is magical because they're just growing. They're just coming through their state of consciousness from 14 years old, 15, 16 years old. And they've got the talent, you know. And uh, in a way, the answer to, to your question is that I think young people will come to see our show with the kids Right. And then they'll they'll probably come to see the band geeks and see what what they're going to do, you know, because uh, we're going to do Close to the Edge and we're going to do Starship Trooper. Let me look. Um, maybe uh, maybe um, what's the other one? Well, I've got it here. Ritual. Ritual. Yeah. Which I love. Very, I love the song of that. I it's a very powerful idea, you know. Woo. Yeah. What are you What are you doing from nine zero one two five? You You doing Owner of a Lonely Heart? Rhythm of Love, to the rhythm of love. Yeah. Because I know the yeah. I know the chords, so yeah. I'm gonna play the guitar <laughs> and do my Elvis Presley impersonation. <laughs> yeah. And what are What are some What are some of the other uh, Some of the owner. other favorites? No, we'll do Owner. 
Honourable O'Neill. Yeah, I think, you know, the audience want to, you know, there's going to be a lot of, not a lot, but there's going to be some people who, who uh, heard Owner of a Lonely Heart and bought the album and then figured out, hey, what, look what they did in the 70s. I want to go and buy that album. Right. And they love it. And so on. you have that cross collateration of, uh, wrong word, that is collateration, <laughs> cross pollination. Pollination, yeah. Well, something like that. Anyway, I'm so, rambling. I'm rambling away now. That's okay. So what do you make of this whole thing going on with this revival in vinyl records? Because people are now going to get vinyl yeah. yes albums and they're well, reissuing them. It's a good thing. You know, you know, I play, I've got a vinyl uh, record player here and sometimes I'll put it on. The tone is so unique. The, the quality of sound is so unique, especially uh, the 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 records of the of, of yes and bands bands in the 70s just used to make great sounding albums and songs and uh, you know the beach boys and the, obviously the beatles was our 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 forerunner to where we went because they were so adventurous with music and uh, thank god they, they had george martin you know yeah the most brilliant guy in the world musically and um it's good to have uh, the vinyl situation. Now they just post it, uh, an album. You just download it. Right. It's, it hasn't. But that's why I've just done this project. Uh, the Zamran Son of Elias is a visual experience, and right. uh, you know it's, it's it's. And actually, I've just done some surround sound mixes of Opus Opus, which I'm very very excited about, um, because. Surround sound is what we hear all day long. You know, we hear birds over there and hear right. the cars driving down the road over there and you hear the wind coming here and there and not stereo, it's surround. Yeah. And uh, I think that's going to become a, the norm. And in, in it does it in a lot of houses, they have a surround sound for the TV shows they watch and stuff. So they'll be able to watch and hear my new work. Now, I think I saw it on YouTube. There was somebody that did a complete cover of uh, Elias. Have you seen that? A cover? How do you mean a cover? The whole, they did the whole album. The whole album. Yeah, that's my friend, Mickey Byrne. Oh, okay. So you know about he, it then. He does my videos. Okay. He he's, uh, lives in Ireland, Northern Ireland. He's just a brilliant, brilliant visionary. And I can't wait to be able to work in 3D with him because uh, 3D will come, so you don't have to wear glasses. 3D will be a natural thing, just like Technicolor is, you know? Right. Do you ever think about doing any of the uh, stuff that you did with Vangelis? Yes, as it happens. Uh, when Vangelis passed away, I was laughing all day long. My, my wife thought I was, I'd gone crazy. And I said, no, no, we always had so much fun, because he was, he was hilarious. He was... He was like, uh, I don't know something about his uh, his humor being Greek or whatever. It was very much like Laurel and Hardy, me and him. Right. Because he, <laughs> he would. So I, I just spent the day laughing at, at, and remembering such great moments that we had together. Uh, because uh, musically, we were far and away from yes music or any music of that sure. kind. Yeah. Uh, band music it was just him and a keyboard and all these incredible sounds and 
he, he had the magical fingers, magical, um, I don't know what it was. Every day I go over to his studio and two hours later we'd written three songs. You know, it's right. like, oh, okay, I'll see you next week then. And we're going to go out lunch, have some lunch, a little bit of ouzo, and then uh, write some more. And uh, my, one of my favorite pieces is Friends of Mr. Cairo. Right. Because it's, it's, uh, it's, great it's, great it's, a, it's a great uh, piece of music. Uh, and the, the structure of it that was created within the, within the two-hour period that we wrote the song, he would, he would just start playing and I would sing. And then he'd stop and he'd start playing something else and I'd sing something else. And then he'd play, so, and I'd say, uh, this is sound, I'm, I'm, I'm singing about uh, old time gangster movies, you know, the, like uh, the Maltese Falcon. Can you play some sort of, da, 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 you know, so, and just do it. Oh yeah, yeah, I can do that. And then at the end, I said, can you play the, like you were looking up, up at the big screen and, and you fell in love with the, whatever her name was, you know, on the screen. And that was the ending of the song. And he did that beautiful piano as though he was uh, the piano player at the, uh, when there was no sound, it was right. just a black and white movie. And he was playing the piano like the, in the style of the early 19th century. And well, I've won a few trivia concerts, uh, contests, because there are people that believe State of Independence was written by Donna Summer. Oh, good. No, she was lovely. There's a great story there, you know. Please. There's a great story. Uh, and it was Lee Abrams who got the album um, Friends of Mr. Cairo. Yeah, right. And he sent it to um, Quincy Jones, who was actually recording Donna Summers. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Quincy got this album to do State of Independence independence because he'd heard it on the radio somehow right and uh so the interesting thing behind that was that he decided to get together all the top singers to sing on that song so if you google michael jackson state of independence you'll see a video of all these incredible people uh, lionel richie um you know uh, oh, all these amazing singers, Diana Ross, uh, you know, <laughs> it was amazing because it, yeah. it was like Stevie Wonder, it was like a dozen of the greatest singers in the world were singing on that song. And I was so, I felt so blessed. Thank you, thank you, whoever organized that. And then that night, when they finished uh, the recording, Lionel and, and, uh, and, uh, Michael? Michael or, uh, got together and yeah. they wrote We Are the World. Right, that's right. Yeah, they recorded that in LA. Can you imagine the, the, the whole idea of state of independence and then we are the world? You know, it's like all on all in the same day. So yeah. I feel very, very, very grateful and thankful for that. Very proud. So what do you think about um other people from from your generation still out there, still giving great shows? Because I, I asked this question of Ian Anderson. And I said, you know, I, I know this is not going to be yours, but I said, so how long do you think you're going to play? And he goes, well, I got to tell you, you know, when I was coming up, all my heroes were the old blues guys and they yeah. were in their seventies and eighties. So yeah. I don't see any reason to quit. Same here. 
I mean, they're still making amazing music, right? Yeah, yeah. Some of the best music is coming. You know, I don't think, oh, I'm going to go in the studio and write a really bad song. <laughs> <laughs> I always think I'm writing my next, uh, but uh, whatever that is, you know. So have and, in the past couple of years, I, I don't know how often you go to shows, but have you had a chance to see like a McCartney or a Roger Waters or any of the other contemporaries uh, in concert? No, I've, seen, I've just seen video, video, you know, short videos of, of these guys, you know, incredibly in front of thousands upon thousands of people. Of course, Paul McCartney's, uh, he's, uh, and he was always a god to me anyway. So. Right. <laughs> and John and George and Ringo. Yeah. You know, I, I always wanted to ask you, did you ever meet uh, McCartney? Oh, I did. <laughs> Sounds like a story's coming. No, no, it's 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 interesting that Yes was doing a show in uh, in London, and uh, it's a theater in Earl's Court. Called, mm -hmm. I can't remember the name of it. Right, uh, the Empire, something like that. And uh, we'd done the show, and you know, audience was great, everything was great. And I'm backstage. The, there was a uh, two floors to get up to your dressing room. Right. And I was looking for some, uh, probably a joint or something, or, or a drink after the show. And right. I'm walking up the steps, and Paul McCartney's walking down. And he goes like, uh, and I went, Paul McCartney. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I think he shook my hand, or maybe he didn't. Okay. But it didn't matter. It was Paul McCartney. So it was still a thrill, right? God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, God. And I, I remember meeting George Martin in the BBC building in 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 uh, in London. Right. I met him three times in the elevator. <laughs> did, did you say hi to him? <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I went in the first time, and I'm so about two months later. I went in the I went in the elevator again. I was doing some radio shows. I mean, and he was there again. I said, George, <laughs> do you live here? <laughs> he didn't get it at the time so did you did that, you did you either solo or with yes i don't think i've ever asked you this ever record at abbey road yes i did and that's another story because i was very annoyed <laughs> you were annoyed what were you annoyed about that the beatles weren't there or what <laughs> <laughs> no the guy, you know, the the producer and one of the guys. <laughs> you can tell the story. That's okay. No, no, no. You but, don't want to tell the story. Well, I will. One second. I'm getting hot and then cold. Okay, no uh, problem. The producer of the record was messing around with the drum machine. And I walked in, wandering in about midday, you know, and there was Alan White sitting there with Tony Kay. Right. And they're having coffee. Hey there, uh, how you doing? And I go in and, and the producer and Chris, bless him, are playing around with this drum machine, trying to get a groove going, you know? Right. Whatever, you know. The reason I'm asking time. you is there, there's a new documentary out that Mary McCartney did called If These Walls Could Sing. And it's yeah. the story of Abbey Road. I just saw it recently. So that's well, why I was asking you. Well, 
this was in uh, the producer's uh, studio. And an hour later, they're still messing around. Two hours later, I leave and say, I'll see you tomorrow. And I look over and I said, we got the best drummer in the world here. And they're messing around with a drum machine. So <laughs> I went the following day and the same thing was happening. It was kind of bizarre to me. And I got very uptight and angry with everybody else. Look, I've just phoned up Abbey Road round the corner, which was in the corner of uh, Oxford Circus, where the- St. John's a, Wood. Right? Yeah, they had a, no, 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 it wasn't no. in St. John's Wood. Okay. They had a beautiful studio just there. And I went in and said, I don't care what you think of me. I've booked the studio on Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, let's be there and do this effing song, okay? Right. <laughs> okay. And then, and then crept out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you snuck out. Okay. So people. Oh, so and it was a big record. It was a yeah. big record. So some of the people ask me stuff to ask you because they know I know you. And you, what, what's a typical day for John Anderson? I, I know, you know, you get up Ooh. in the morning. What happens? Well, you wake up. You, you, you know, we, we have a beautiful garden and then a little place for the birds to come. So I go out and feed the birds. And then I make breakfast. We always like breakfast in bed, watching uh, the crazy news, you know, and, and then I'll go out and uh, work out a little bit. And then I go for a light, nice long walk around here. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I've been listening to Rachmaninoff's third piano concerto and uh, every day for like three months now. Right. And it's just a dream. You see, you're listening, and you don't remember, realize you're walking up this hill and down this hill and up this uh, uh, for about an hour. And then I'll come and, uh, you know, get ready and come into my, this is, this is my studio that I'm in now, right. which is our, our, our cottage, and uh, start working on ideas that I started uh, 10 years ago and 12 years ago. And I'm still trying to finish a lot of stuff. I know so you've always past, got several things going at once. Yeah, this past couple of years has been really, uh, you know, COVID and everything. Mm -hmm. You know, when we when we when we um, were told to stay indoors, you know, COVID is here right. and everything like that. Well, I I was fixing my um, barbecue and I tripped up and broke my foot, so oh. I couldn't do anything. I was on I was in uh, walking around like this, terrible for about six months. And uh, so I was, I got on with some music and um, I just had this idea of doing some n n music and visualization of music. And, uh, and of course, then the idea of doing Zamran, son of Elias, because my, my son, 10 years ago, you know, he came in the studio and said, Dad, why don't you do son of Elias? All right. And I said, oh, okay. That's interesting. Should I do that? He said, yes, dad, <laughs> as my son would say. And um, God bless him. Um, I started working on it right then. That was 10 years ago or so. Right. And uh, now and again, I'll do something and stick it together. And then I have, book, I have books of all the lyrics that I was going to sing and write and everything. And it's an endless procession of events that uh, by the time you get into finishing uh, I wonder, because I thought about the word Zamran uh, the same day for some right. reason. 
Right. And uh, and I, I had no idea what it meant. And and about last middle of last year, I was working on some music for it. And then I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll Google it. So I Google Zamran. It's very interesting what Zamran means. It's a Middle Eastern uh, uh, word for the center of all things in relative in relativity, relative uh, consciousness thinking. Right. The center of all things is Zamran. And we are all the center of all things, our little selves, because we are everyone, you see. There, Denny. Yeah. <laughs> we are everyone. Right. And we are collectively yeah. around the world, everyone. And, uh, you know, strange as it may seem, a lot of people are starting to understand that as well. Mm. And we okay. will grow and uh, our state of consciousness will wake us up a little bit more to the reality of who we truly are and why we're here and so on and so on. So I know that people, um, <laughs> and I know you've responded, people send you stuff all the time. And sometimes you, how did you get involved with that um, cover of A Day in the Life that that Hawaiian guy did? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, um, yeah. Um, uh, very sweet guy. Gosh, uh, da -da 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 -da. his yeah. name will come in a minute. He's a miracle uh, ukulele player. Right. He really, that's it, yeah. He's ridiculously good. Um, how did he get, how did you, I mean, how did that well, happen? Friend, yeah, a friend of mine who's a PR guy, Michael, you probably know him, Michael yeah. Jensen. Yeah. He, he called me and said, uh, this uh, wonderful guy that you, you like, he's making an album with a load of famous people and he would like to do a song with you. So I said, well, that's kind of strange because I, when I did my solo tour, I'd always play um, A Day in the Life on ukulele. Right. I read, sounds like George Formby. People don't know who George Formby is, but I read the news today, oh boy. The English army had just won the war. So I sent him a recording of me doing it, and then he did his version. I sang it, and the job was done. We should remember his name. Gosh. Yeah, that's all right. Are there. Other uh, other you know things like that that you've done over the years that uh, that stand out? Yeah, I I sang um, for um, who's the guy who ran the Beach Boys? What's his name? Uh, Brian Wilson. Who? Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson. Yeah, it is Brian. I yeah. think it was Brian. Yeah, Brian. It was Wilson. his birthday, yeah. so I sang um, a lovely version of. Um, was it God only knows? Vibrations. Oh, God, God only vibrations. knows. Yeah. yeah. God only knows. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do that. I just kind of say, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll sing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's okay. what. That's about it. All right. It's so somebody uh, wanted me to ask you, what, what's going on with your with your artwork? Are you still doing it, and is it available anywhere? No, it's not available really. Uh, I, I've got lots of it everywhere in, 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 in the next room, which is the, where we paint, where Jen's an artist as well, a sculpture lady. Um, but, you know, I'm always, uh, I have one here a minute ago. It's disappeared. Okay, well, uh, but it's I, not show you know, and tell. You don't have to show, just tell. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's just something that I would do. I'll probably do more in the next 10 years. Right. When I'm uh, old and gray. 
Uh, I'm getting very gray now. So we need to have an exhibition of your work because I, I mean I've seen a lot of it and the watercolors. Yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you. There's there's lots of it. There's little bits here, little sketches here. That, you know, um, but then you look at what um, oh, some some people get up to doing incredible art. Right. Unbelievable art. Mine's just watercolors and just having fun. You know. Yeah. Okay. So um, when you go uh, when you go away somewhere on vacation because you've been everywhere, where do, where do you and Jane go? We love Hawaii. Yeah. We, we we go to, we we have a place. A friend of ours has a place, and we go and stay there in Maui, and uh, sometimes in Kauai. Um, we've had a lot of problems with the weather uh, at the times where the river overflows and everything into the sea, so you have brown water rather than blue right <laughs> it's all the rubbish from the mountains coming out and you know it's interesting you know this new thing that's happened now the uh the uh the uh the five thousand miles of sludge is coming over oh, yeah you know it's like the ocean yeah. saying we're sick and tired of you giving all, all us plastic so we're going to give you some seaweed that really smells ter <laughs> terrible so you suckers that's the ocean talking you know? right right Wow, that's great. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I know you, you, you got so many things going on here and then we can't wait to see you live. Um, so the tour, the tour starts in a, in a few weeks. Two weeks, three, two and a half weeks. Yeah. How long think, is it? I can't remember. I can't remember, to be honest. Have but you started, start have you started the, rehearsals yet? Yeah, we've been doing rehearsals by a Zoom, which oh. is very, very exciting for me because everything was in time. You know, we have uh, Richie, the bass player, who is the Castellano. I can't remember. Can't really say his name properly. Right. I'm sorry. It's okay. But Richie, the bass player, uh, he organized everything. And uh, it was in time. I was singing in time with the band. And so he just sent me uh, the recordings. And I've got them all lined up now. And after we spoke, and I will spend the next two hours singing the whole, all the songs and remembering the words. <laughs> John Anderson uses a cheat sheet, but that's okay. Hey, listen, I haven't signed Gates of Delirium for 40 years. So I, yeah, I, really. I can't believe what I was saying, you know? You know, I, I always like, wanted to ask you, this is probably a weird question, and I don't think anybody's ever asked you this, and maybe I'm crazy, but I happen to be a fan. Is Gates of Delirium at all, because it's got that, you know, that war thing, is it at all based on Albert Eiler's Bells. You familiar with that? No. No. What it was basically around that time, I met a guy. I met two people. One was Vangelis, and the other one was Ilan Mimaroglu. Now, Ilan Mimaroglu had a deal with Atlantic. He lived in New York. He was an electronic uh, composer. Mm -hmm. The most bizarre, amazing crazy wild uh it did it all with um sort of woodwinds and uh, clarinets and things and he had all four tape recorders going at the same time and all and he mixed them all together make unbelievable sound right and he he wrote a piece called wings of the delirious demon and i thought yes i get it music isn't just you know, music is all sorts of music, all different kinds. And yeah. Ilan 
I don't know if he's still alive, but my gosh, I just loved him. And he loved yes music as it happened, and we became friends. So I dedicated that the idea of gates of delirium to him in my in my mind. And I didn't write it anywhere, but it was all the idea that that sound can actually wake you up and out of a you know we we need to wake up and dream a better dream. That's right. how I think about life. Wake up, dream a better dream. Wake up, come on, wake up. And uh, so Gates of Delirium was this like crazy wild idea that I actually wrote parts on piano. And thank you, Chris, for letting me do this. But I play, play them pieces on the piano. Terrible, yeah. I couldn't play the piano. I could play just white notes, which is right. okay. And, uh, but we made that record and uh, it's a, it, it was a wild piece to do on stage because it was very, very dangerous to yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, I remember <laughs> you played the, you, you, you played the whole thing in Philadelphia. Yeah. When it came out. I know. And you, you still think that soon or to be over is a single? <laughs> yeah, soon. I'm going to be singing soon or oh, soon the light. Pass within and soothe this endless night. Yeah. We wait here for you, our reason to be here. Ta -da! So it's been a, a few years now uh, since you've been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. When you go to Cleveland, do you go and check out the exhibit? I did a show there. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I haven't, I haven't seen the ex exhibit, but I, I saw photographs and it was a bit depressing. Oh, because they centered it on drama, you know. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it. It's more about the drama of yes rather yeah, than. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that, but I, no, I've seen the drama cover. <laughs> it's a little sad. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd actually was working with the the youth orchestra in in Cleveland there, and uh, me and Jane went to see uh, the the place, um, right. and uh, they invited me to come and do a little. Uh, midday show like a 12 12 to solo show you know right. which i did i love doing it and all my all my all my history was there you know you walk right. around and you see you know um people that you remember from the beginning of time you know musically speaking right and you walk around that uh, that place it's, it's it's amazing amazing place so, so i was happy to be in, in inducted into it yeah but uh so somebody else wanted me to ask, and I thought this is an interesting question. Uh, what did Getty Lee say to you after he played at the induction What's your name ceremony? again? <laughs> <laughs> I said, John Anderson. No, he didn't say that. He didn't no, say no, that. No, I know. No, I mean, were, were, you a, were you familiar with, you must have, you were familiar with Russia's music, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. But yeah. uh, Did he say anything to you after that? or Because that was his like ideal thing was to, play with yes no it was brilliant uh i think we just hugged about 10 times come here man thank you very much you're great thank you <laughs> that, that was that good. was that was some night wasn't it i remember yeah that. we played we played damn good yeah <clears throat> the worry about doing that kind of thing is you're there at three in the afternoon doing a sound check right and then then drinks come on and they think oh wait a minute I shouldn't have had so many drinks. I got I got hyperventilated when I went on stage, right. and I tried to talk to the audience. I was so stupid because I I was hyperventilating. 
And of course, then Rick comes on and tells some dark. That, right, he did his routine. Yeah. Right. And I said, Perfect. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> yeah, that's what people uh, always say. Yeah, it was great. We, you know, Getty Lee playing with the S and, and Rick brilliant. Wakeman did his part of his show. You know? Yeah, brilliant. That was really great. That was really, really great. So, okay. Well, listen, I want to uh, thank you. Hopefully, uh, maybe on the other side of the tour, we can do a part two. Because oh, yeah. Just what been... I need to, just what I need to be doing. <laughs> Sorry, Daddy. That's, no problem. I want to thank you. By the way, you've been really animated on this interview, I must say. And I love yeah. it. You're well, so uplifting you know, and animated. <laughs> I just woke up and I've just been working out and I was watching a movie. Um, was it Willie Nelson was a cowboy in this movie from oh okay there's a few of those but uh, 30 years ago really good you're a big cowboy fan American West fan yeah I, I used to watch uh, Johnny Mike Brown okay. way before your time okay it was Johnny Mike Brown and there was Roy Rogers and uh he had Trigger his, yeah. his horse right uh you know I used to love the movies I still do we are a movie you should watch some of the uh, they're on uh, TV now all the old reruns of Gunsmoke which to oh, me yeah. is the best western ever it's on every oh, single yeah. day on, on me TV Bonanza and all that Bonanza is another one yeah, yeah I haven't got time Danny I'm right. an artist that's right I I, I forgot I, I forgot but anyway <laughs> See, got listen all this work I've got all this bloody work yeah to and I, I'm Don't sure talk to me I've got I, I'm sure the rest through. of today I, I can't even believe you squeezed out this much time for us because uh, this uh -huh. has been great, and I really appreciate it. And uh, okay. I tried to get some of the questions in that people asked me to ask you. Good. So I guess we will we will see you on tour. And okay. give, give Jane my regards. I sure will. That's my conversation with John Anderson. And I want to thank you for listening and being part of the Rock Podcast. Tell your friends. They can hear us. We're available at all the usual places that you get your podcasts. And we have a video version on YouTube. Of course, it's free, no admission, just a lot of rock and roll memories. You can find us at the website, therockpodcast.com, and on Facebook. You can also uh, send your comments. Let me know what you think. Contact me at hello at therockpodcast.com. I love hearing from you. So till next time, I'm Denny Somak. That's it for now. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com 
Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 